Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 347 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story, the U.S. vaccination effort has ramped up to a pace of more than a million shots a day. But second shots are coming due, putting pressure on states and leaving some people hanging as they wait to get fully immunized. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. U.S. regulators called Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine safe and effective. It's a key milestone on the path toward giving Americans access to the first such shot to work in a single dose. According to the Food and Drug Administration, which reviewed the company's trial results, the vaccine was 72% effective in the U.S.-based trial arm of its global study. The FDA found the vaccine to be effective against severe disease and said it worked better against mutant coronavirus strains than previously reported. New York City health officials said 6% of the city's coronavirus cases are due to the UK variant, which is believed to be more contagious. While that number is higher than officials liked, They said the number has remained steady in recent weeks. Meanwhile, the city's middle school students will return to the classroom on Thursday, bringing New York one step closer to a semblance of normalcy since the pandemic shuttered many school buildings for nearly a year. High school buildings will remain closed. Finally, The Czech Republic is preparing to impose a stricter lockdown to prevent the collapse of its medical system. So far, the government's measures have failed to contain one of the fastest spreading and deadliest outbreaks in Europe. Almost exactly a year after the first COVID-19 case appeared in the country, the crisis is worse than ever, and the situation requires a tougher response. According to Prime Minister... Andre Babish. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. 
And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. And now for today's main story. Almost a month after U.S. vaccination campaigns ramped up to give COVID-19 shots to more than a million people a day, their second doses are now coming due. That's putting a strain on state rollouts and leaving some people without complete immunizations. I spoke to John Tazi, who told me that as President Joe Biden accelerates purchases and distribution, critical weaknesses in the system are starting to show. With vaccine rollout firmly underway, many Americans have begun to receive their first shot of a COVID-19 vaccine, which is certainly a success. But I want to know, has prioritizing getting that first shot to Americans meant that the U.S. is now in trouble of making sure people get their second dose of the vaccine? Well, I wouldn't say that we're necessarily in trouble, but there have been some challenges, uh, as everybody kind of knew there would be with a two-dose vaccine. You know, what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, I mean, really, when you look at the vaccination campaign, the initial rollout didn't really hit its stride until kind of the middle of January, um, the middle and end of January, when we were sort of beginning to consistently deliver a million doses or more a day. And what happened in February is that now all those people who were who were getting their first doses in January are due for their second shots, uh, either three or four weeks after the initial vaccination. So it's sort of created this um, new pressure on the supply, while there are still many millions of people who haven't gotten their first dose. So we've seen in a couple of places that this has just led to some complications and challenges. And so let's let's walk through some of the science um, behind the two do- the two dose vaccine here in terms of, say, the Pfizer or the Moderna vaccine. You know, what is the timetable that is recommended between the first and second shot? And, and why is that timetable perhaps so important? So in the clinical trials that the drug makers used to study these vaccines uh, last year, the Pfizer shots were spaced three weeks apart and the Moderna shots were spaced four weeks apart. And I'm not an expert in the science, but my understanding is that you know, the the sort of first dose kind of prompts an initial immune reaction. And then the second dose seals that. It, it makes it more stronger and more durable and, and more effective. That's that's our, our understanding. Um, so those are the timetables that were used in the trials. And because they're what were used in the trials, that's what's recommended. That doesn't mean that if you get your second dose of the Pfizer vaccine, 22 days later rather than 21 days later, it's not going to work, right? There's, you know, there's flexibility. And the CDC has actually said, I mean, the CDC has said people should get their doses on the recommended time frame, But if not, up to six weeks is sort of an acceptable range where things should be okay. There's some other evidence from other research that, particularly with the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, in use in the UK, 
that, um, you know, longer time fr- frames may be acceptable. So, you know, we're kind of dealing with the situation where what was studied in trials is now, um, you know, which is a very controlled situation is now in a more, um, you know, in the real world, you can't always reach people at the precise interval or the supply may not be there. So I think the the public health world is trying to figure out kind of how how to handle that. Yeah. And I mean, certainly the very difficult logistics of administering a two-dose vaccine are becoming evident. And to what extent are we seeing the perhaps necessary effects or necessary consequences of trying to make the decision between whether to hold back some supply of vaccine to guarantee people can get a second dose of a vaccine versus prioritizing getting as many people a first dose as possible and not worrying perhaps about supplies of the second dose until later. Is that kind of what we're starting to see in the real world, the effects of that that decision? Yeah, I think to some extent, if you go back to the middle of December when the vaccines were first being delivered, um, the government held back half the supply, in fact, initially even more than half the supply to make sure there would be uh, second doses available in time because they were very concerned uh, about, you know, whether there was kind of manufacturing, you know, reliable manufacturing to, to make the new supply. Then in January, uh, that kind of shifted. The U.S. had more confidence in the manufacturer's ability to kind of reliably make new supply of, of the vaccines. Um, and there was a real urgency to get the public vaccinated because cases were so high um, and climbing so quickly, uh, certainly in December and January. So, you know, we we moved from holding back a second dose reserve to now second doses are, you know, as, as best as we can tell, uh, being supplied more or less out of, uh, you know, newly manufactured vaccines. Now, I think there are some states that have, you know, and, and some facilities that have their own, you know, reserves that may kind of cover them for a certain period out. But, you know, it's no surprise that if we if we are not holding reserves, that at some point there are trouble getting enough doses to the right place at the right time. You know, we talked to a hospital system in Michigan where they actually had to cancel uh, appointments for second doses last week because they did not get the allocation that they expected from the state. Um, now, I think those situations are incredibly common, but, you know, if it's if it's your second dose that you're waiting on, um, it obviously matters matters to you. Yeah. And I mean, this brings up kind of a question of maybe across the board numbers. You know, we're, we're hearing about how more and more Americans are able to be vaccinated um, as we move through February and into March. But what kind of data is available thus far about, say, the number of Americans who have been able to get their second dose and even more specifically, their second dose within the recommended timetable for their vaccine? So um, as of today, Wednesday, according to the CDC website, f- about 
44, 45 million Americans have gotten at least one dose, and about 20 million of them um, have gotten both doses, so a little less than half. Just to keep in mind, you know, many of those people, you know, people who just got their vaccine in the last three or four weeks, they're not due for their second dose yet, right? So you'd expect the number to be um, to be to be lower. We don't have a clear sense of how many people are sort of overdue for their second dose. The CDC has said that most people are getting it in the recommended three or four week intervals, and that only a, a small percentage uh, is sort of beyond the six week time frame that they've kind of identified as the you know the the sort of upper or outer limit. You know we don't have hard numbers around that. We know from from Texas earlier this month, even before the storms there, there were um, several thousand people who were who were overdue. A lot of states don't seem to be tracking this. I think it may be something that it'll take a few weeks or, or even months to sort of. Uh, understand with better data, you know, how many people got one dose and then for whatever reason did not get or weren't able to get a second dose on time. We have heard about whether a second shot of these two-dose vaccines, say Pfizer or Moderna, is actually necessary at all and, and that you're, you're good to go, you're protected enough after receiving your first shot. What, is, what are some of the arguments there? You know, I think the the argument against that, against stretching doses or, or you know, only going uh, for one dose of, of the vaccine is that the trials were done with two doses. And, and that is what the evidence shows offers protection. Now, we do know from the trials that there is some protection after uh, the first dose, you know, because the people in the trials... Um, got two doses, we don't have good evidence over how long that that immunity might last, you know, how durable it is. You know, so in the U.S., certainly um, the authorities are not recommending skipping the second dose or stretching out the interval beyond, you know, what's indicated. You know, we know that other countries have been experimenting with that and doing that. The U.K., uh, I think we're beginning to get some evidence from some of those situations. But in the U.S., the decision has been not to try and stretch the supply by only giving people one dose. And, you know, I heard the CDC director, uh, Rochelle Walensky, yesterday uh, on a congressional panel, she got a similar question and she said, if the if the drug makers had found you know a durable immunity after one dose, they would have much preferred to have a single dose uh, vaccine. It's easier; it increases the supply. Um, you know, so there's a reason that that two doses were were used in the trials. Um, you know, for people who are uh, were trying to reach and, and um, protect against the virus, particularly priority populations like healthcare workers and you know elderly folks, uh, people in nursing homes. Um, you know, the idea of um, stretching the doses—it's uh, not what the U.S. authorities are recommending right now. As we move forward through the vaccine rollout in the states, you know, we are seeing kind of an ever-changing eligibility. Um, more and more states are opening up restrictions to allow more of their populations to get their first dose. I mean, to what extent are you expecting that the logistical 
hurdles of making sure not only people can get their first shot, but their second shot on time. I mean, how much are you expecting that this is going to just become more complicated and potentially more problematic as we continue through the vaccine rollout? Um, It's hard to say. I think, you know, one really good news uh, item on the horizon is that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is being, you know, considered by the FDA this week for emergency authorization, is a single dose. You know, if that is authorized as as it's expected to be, you know, that is a much simpler and much faster way to, to immunize people. You know, the other thing is I think the systems and just the sort of infrastructure around vaccination has been improving. You know, more people are getting vaccinated. Um, I think some of the, you know, IT systems and, you know, booking websites, like that's still pretty chaotic in some places. And, you know, we certainly heard from people who went in for their first dose and then were not given an appointment for their second dose and had trouble booking it a little bit. I think that's still going on. But I don't think, it's hard to say whether it's going to get worse or whether it's going to get better. I think, you know, as we increase the volume of vaccinations and increase the supply, you know, hopefully some of these things will, will become smoother in time. That was John Tazi, And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com slash coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by John Tazi. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Schein and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. your data was working for you and not against you with bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems you get easy access to the details you want optimized for higher level analysis and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move our data is made for more so you can show the world what you're made of visit bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more